In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto the ages of all ages, amen. So today we celebrate the feast of the circumcision of the Lord Jesus Christ, which comes eight days after the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, just as it's written in the gospel and it is written in the law that um, every male, uh, uh, every Jewish male should be um, uh, uh, circumcised on the eighth day after of, of, of their life or on the eighth day after their birth. The big question for you and for me is, so what? Jesus was circumcised. Okay, uh, um, forgive me, I don't mean to sound sacrilegious or, or I don't mean to sound disrespectful, but um, okay, um, so what? Or forgive me to be even more crude, I hope I'm, I'm not being too rude, but uh, who cares or, or why should I care? Or maybe in a, in a better, in a nicer way, what does this have to do with me? Every act of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ is for our salvation. And our participation in every act in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ is for our restoration, for making us whole, for restoring us again. So let me demonstrate something. I'm a little bit old school. I, I use like, uh, you know, my phone to to, uh, you know, to, to keep track of things for me and, and to help me with to-do lists. But at the end of the day, when I really need to, I just still use pen and paper. And so I write on little scraps of pieces of paper, I write to-do lists. Well, and then I stick them in my pocket and then I wait for a moment where I'm going to be free to organize these thoughts and figure out a way that they're going to get done. Well, they live in my pocket for quite a while and here are all of these to-do lists, right? And every now and again... Every now and again, I stick my hand in my pocket to get some money out or to get a pen out or something, and I, and I touch the to-do list, and I'm like, oh my God, the pile of things that need to get done is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and it's, and it's almost like the pile of things to do is... Is, the, is this growing mountain that is sitting on top of me and I'm getting crushed, you know, by the things that need to get done. And I think this was some kind of conditioning that probably happened to me in school. You know, I don't know in school, but I had like, I don't know if you had this, but I, we had an agenda, right? And you'd write all your homework into your agenda and the teacher would come and look before we left the classroom if we wrote all our homework into our agenda. And then we'd have to go home and we'd have to do our homework and then our, teacher, our parents would have to sign our agenda saying that like they saw that we had to do this work and that we did it right and it was a way of our school kind of so ever since I was a kid like I was it was drilled into me to write down the things you have to do and prioritize them and and organize them and, and so on right and and you know for better or for worse you know I'm sure it taught me organization and a whole lot of other things but it also taught me the pressure of having all this stuff that I need to do, that I need to get done, right? And, you know, I'm, I, to, bring it, to bring it close to home, that's a lot of what the law is really like. The law is a, is a series of requirements that if you fulfill these requirements, then you're in the right, okay? You're in the black, you're okay, right? And then if you don't fulfill these requirements, or if you break these laws, then you're in the red, right? And then you're, you're a bad person, right? And Jesus came to set us free from that. Now, where did how how do how do you become someone who is 
has access to the law. You see, the people of the people in the in the Old Testament, okay? The law came at Moses. So everybody before Moses did not have any way to be right in the eyes of God. It was only when the law came in, came in place with Moses that they were told, if you fulfill these requirements, you are, you're in the right. So how do you enter into the co- a covenant with God that if you fulfill these requirements, you're, you're, you're okay. But if you don't fulfill these requirements, naughty, naughty, right? Santa, right? This is all drilled into us, right? Santa has keeping a list, naughty and nice, right? You know, are you naughty or are you nice, right? You get what's coming to you, right? You reap what you sow, karma, right? All of that, that was the mindset of the law, right? If you, if, if you fulfill the righteous requirements of the law, right? If you keep the Sabbath, if you this, if you this, if you this, if you this, you're good. If you don't, naughty, naughty, Santa's not going to bring you a present, Right? Or worse, you can go to hell forever, right? How did you enter into this covenant with God that if you kept all of these things, you were good through circumcision? So circumcision became the door to enter into the covenant that made you now obliged to keep all of these things. And if you keep them, you're good. And if you don't keep them, you're bad. If you didn't enter into the covenant, you were just bad to start with. You had no hope. You could stand on your head. You could do all the good things in the universe. You're just bad. And you're bad because you're bad. Right? But those who were in the covenant with God, they had the opportunity if they went into the covenant with God and by, through circumcision and kept the law, then you could be righteous. That was the mindset of the Old Testament. So Jesus came, was incarnate, and was circumcised. And when you, when you, if we read, um, if we read the the, the praises uh, of midnight praises, when the feasts all have special praises that are said, or if we read the doxology that would have what was prayed in the in the morning um, uh, raising of incense and the evening raising of incense, in the doxology it says that He may free us from the circumcision of the flesh, and grant us His Holy Spirit with perfection. Let all the heretics be put to shame and humiliated and let them hear what Paul is saying, I was circumcised on the eighth day. He's not saying St. Paul was saying I was circumcised on the eighth day because St. Paul was a Jew and he was circumcised on the eighth day. He was. He's saying because Christ was circumcised on the eighth day, I have entered into Christ, now I can say I was circumcised on the eighth day. Everything, in as much as I have entered into Christ, and I'm living the life of Christ in as much as everything that applies to Christ applies to me. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that, right? And in the, in the Psali Adam of the circumcision of our Lord, it says, For truly it's wondrous that Christ, the lover of men, accepted circumcision like humans. Our master, the lover of men, Christ our God, accepted circumcision to complete the law. Rejoice and be glad, O ye sons of men, for Emmanuel has carried our sins. Yes, in truth, he confirmed his incarnation and fulfilled our humbleness by his circumcision. So, 
we can summarize and say Jesus was circumcised for two reasons. The first one, to confirm his incarnation. To confirm that he was not, he was, he was not the Lord Jesus Christ at his birth and was not some uh, apparition. He was not some illusion. He was not some vision. He was a real human being that if you cut him, guess what? He bleeds and he was cut in circumcision, right? And he was a human like any other human and he was divine, like God is only divine, in a very mystical way, in the mystery of the divinity of Christ, right? But he was certainly, completely human. So that's the first thing. The Feast of Circumcision is to, is to certify to us his incarnation, that he is human, just as human as you and as me, but just as divine, of course, a member uh, uh, of the uh, uh, a person of the Holy Trinity, right? The second reason is that so he could fulfill the law on our behalf, right? Jesus' work is so that you can stand before the Father and you can have your to-do list of all the things that I should have done, all the times I should have prayed, I didn't, all the times I should have sought God, I didn't, and then all the, that's all the, my sins of omission. Then there's all my sins of commission. All the times I lied and I swore and I got angry and I got impatient and I misjudged and I was disappointed. And all of my, all of, all of these sins, you know. Not to scare you, not to scare you, but the Holy Father's right about what happens to the soul as it leaves the body. And it says that the demons come and they assault the soul, you know, and they accuse the soul of of all its wrongdoings in life, some of which are real and some of which are not real because they're liars. And they come and they lie and they tell you not, not only all of my sins, God knows there's tons of them, they'll be creative enough to come up with things that I haven't done and accuse me of them. And the Lord Jesus Christ will appear in that moment and take me in His embrace and say, and say to me, I have, I have fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law on your behalf. I have fulfilled the law on your behalf. And circumcision is an example of how the Lord has fulfilled the law on our behalf. So then what is required of me? That's it. Okay, so I'm in, right? So now I live happily ever after. Jesus comes to rescue me and we, you know, and that's the end of the story. St. Paul tells us, if we have been circumcised with Christ, let us put off the body of sins of the flesh in Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. He says, in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. You know, we prayed... We prayed three baptisms this morning. St. Paul says, if I was baptized with Christ, I have put on Christ. I have put on Christ. So now, it is Christ who lives. I live no longer. It's no longer my life. I have traded my life with Christ. So St. Paul is telling us, if indeed we have entered into Christ, and Christ is circumcised, then we have also become circumcised, a circumcision made without hands, not uh, not, you know, like the, the, the rabbi doing the bris and cha-ching, you know, but, right, a putting off of the body of sins. What is being cut off? What is being cut off in, the circ in my circumcision that is made without hands? The sins of the flesh 
by the circumcision of Christ. He explains, uh, he explains in Galatians, and he says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is availed as anything, but faith working through love. If indeed, if indeed I know and I believe that God has set me free from the righteous requirements of the law, then now I have to, number one, I have to believe. Number two, I need to, I need to do the works of Christ. If, if it's Christ who lives in me, no, I, no longer me, I'm not alive anymore. It's Christ who lives in me then I have to live the life of Christ, right? St. Paul says that Jesus' circumcision leads us to, to keep His commandments by this faith that is working in us in love. I want to I cut to the chase, okay? Jesus was circumcised I also need to be circumcised, but not a circumcision, like he said, made with hands. In the Old Testament, even in the Old Testament, Moses, after he leads the people through the wilderness for 40 years, and he's summarizing the law for them, he tells them in Deuteronomy 36, 30, verse 6, he says, For the Lord your God will circumcise your heart, and the heart of your descendants, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. In Deuteronomy 10, 16, he says, Therefore circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. So what does it mean to have my heart circumcised? It means to be stiff-necked no longer, to be stubborn no longer. I want to tell you something. There's nothing that God hates more than stubbornness. Sin in its, in its deepest essence is a rebellion against God. Is when God tells me left and I say no. And, Saint, and, and Moses and St. Paul and all in the Old Testament and the New Testament are telling us, are telling us, let us cut out the stubbornness. Let me cut out the stubbornness in my heart and be soft in the, in the hands of God. Ezekiel says, God promises through Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. You know, sometimes, um, sometimes I'll leave like the toast in the toaster for too long or I'll leave a piece of bread on the counter for a bit. And it'll get all hard and crusty on the outside. So what will I do? I'll, I'll take a knife and I'll scrape off the, the hard stuff so I can get to the soft, chewy, gooey stuff. That hardness of heart that is stubborn, that is sticking to its own ways, that is refusing to just to just go along with God, to just mellow out and just, just go along with God. That's what God wants, wants to do, a spiritual circumcision of my heart. This is very similar, but not exactly the same as pruning. 
if you have a, a grapevine, this is the example Jesus uses in John 15, or if you have a rose bush or, or anything else, right? You, you know, you plant rose bushes in the fall and they, they, they're perennials, so they blossom up in the, in the spring. And when they, when they, when they kind of come back to life in the spring and the, they have all these leaves and so on, you start to see where the rosebuds are. And you see the rosebuds are on all of these different, um, are on these different branches, but the, but the thing is a bush, right? So you look and see where are the where are there the rosebuds and where is there just foliage? And there's usually like ten times the amount of foliage as there are buds. So what do you do? You take a pair of really sharp and strong scissors, you know, shears. I guess I don't know. Gardening people know what they're called, right? And you go at it. Wherever there's no buds, snip, 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 snip. Sounds kind of like circumcision. Snip, snip, right? And you snip off the stuff that has no life in it. Why am I saying it has no life in it? What's in the rosebud? Uh, a rose, Abuna. Yes. It's a, the rose opens. What's in the rose? The pollen that gives new life that gives new life to another seed, to another rose bush, and so on, right? Forgive me for the imagery, but in circumcision, the part that gets snipped off is the part that has no life in it. Let us look at our lives and see where there is hardness, where there is no life, where is a part of my life is dead. Maybe God is calling me to snip that off. Not because it's bad, not because it's cancerous, not because it's, it's, uh, it's uh, uh, sinful, it's not because, no, no, but simply because there is no life in it. Maybe it's how I, maybe it's how I spend my time or my money, maybe it's, uh, you know, certain relationships with people or, or uh, certain things I do at work or I don't do or, or, or in school, or whatever it is. Let each one of us in the remaining 35, 40 minutes of the liturgy examine our lives and ask God, Lord, where am I being stubborn? Am I being stiff-necked against you? Where, am I, where is there, are, part, are there parts of my life, Lord, which are, there is no life. There is no seed of life in them. They're just, it's just foliage. It's just extra. Lord, you have come, you have come to make me authentic to make me genuine, to make me real. I want to ask you something. Of all of the things you say in a day, how many of those things are perfectly true to who you are? They are 100% genuine. See, the rest is all scrap. The rest is all fake. It's not true. It's not real. Cut it out. Remove it. Jesus says we will be judged for every idle word we speak. So if it's not true, I don't know, just don't say anything. I'm just using words as an example of something that could be circumcised. We're not looking for a circumcision of the flesh. God is looking today for us to have a circumcision of our hearts, of our lives, that, we, that what might be left may be pure, authentic, genuine Jesus Christ incarnate in you and in me. 
Glory be to God forever and ever. I have sinned. Forgive me, my fathers and mothers, brothers and sisters. Please pray for me.